Act Five of Henry the Fourth, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry the Fourth, Part One, by William Shakespeare. Act Five, Scene One, King Henry the Fourth's camp near Shrewsbury. Enter King Henry, Prince Henry. Lord John of Lancaster, Earl of Westmoreland, Sir Walter Blunt, and Falstaff. How bloodily the sun begins to peer above young busky hill! The day looks pale at his distemperature. The southern wind doth play the trumpet to his purposes, and by his hollow whistling in the leaves foretells a tempest and a blustering day. Then with the losers let it sympathize, for nothing can seem foul to those that win. The trumpet sounds. Enter Worcester and Vernon. How now, my lord of Worcester? Tis not well that you and I should meet upon such terms as now we meet. You have deceived our trust, and made us doff our easy robes of peace, to crush our old limbs in ungentle steel. This is not well, my lord, this is not well. What say you to it? Will you again unknit this curlish knot of all abhorred war, and move in that obedient orb again where you did give a fair and natural light, and be no more an exhaled meteor, a prodigy of fear, and a portent of broached mischief to the unborn times? Hear me, my liege. For mine own part I could be well content to entertain the lag-end of life with quiet hours, for I protest I have not sought the day of this dislike. You have not sought it. How comes it, then? Rebellion lay in his way, and he found it. Peace, Chewett, peace. It pleased your majesty to turn your looks of favour from myself and all our house. And yet I must remember you, my lord, we were the first and dearest of your friends. For you my staff of office did I break in Richard's time, And posted day and night to meet you on the way and kiss your hand, When yet you were in place and in account nothing so strong and fortunate as I. It was myself, my brother and his son, that brought you home, And boldly did outdare the dangers of the time. You swore to us, and you did swear that oath at Doncaster, That you did nothing purpose gainst the state, Nor claim no further than your new-fallen right, The seat of Gaunt, dukedom of Lancaster. To this we swore our aid, But in short space it rained down fortune showering on your head, And such a flood of greatness fell on you, What with our help, what with the absent king, what with the injuries of a wanton time, the seeming sufferances that you'd borne, and the contrarious winds that held the king so long in his unlucky Irish wars, that all in England did repute him dead. And from this swarm of fair advantages you took occasion to be quickly wooed, to grip the general sway into your hand, forgot your oath to us at Doncaster, and being fed by us, you used us so, As that ungentle gull the cuckoo's bird useth the sparrow, Did oppress our nest, Grew by our feeding to so great a bulk That even our love durst not come near your sight For fear of swallowing. 
but with nimble wing we were enforced for safety's sake to fly out of your sight, and raise this present head whereby we stand opposed, by such means as you yourself have forged against yourself, by unkind usage, dangerous countenance, and violation of all faith and troth sworn to us in your younger enterprise. These things indeed you have articulate, proclaimed at market-crosses, read in churches, to face the garment of rebellion with some fine colour that may please the eye of fickle changelings and poor discontents, which gape and rub the elbow at the news of hurly-burly innovation, and never yet did insurrection want such water-colours to impaint his cause, nor moody beggars starving for a time of pell-mell havoc and confusion. In both our armies there is many a soul shall pay full dearly for this encounter, if once they join in trial. Tell your nephew, the Prince of Wales, doth join with all the world in praise of Henry Percy. By my hopes, this present enterprise set off his head. I do not think a braver gentleman, more active valiant or more valiant young, more daring or more bold, is now alive to grace this latter age with noble deeds. For my part, I may speak it to my shame, I have a truant been to, tr to chivalry. And so I hear he doth account me too. Yet this before my father's majesty, I am content that he shall take the odds of his great name and estimation and will, to save the blood on either side, try fortune with him, in single fight. And, Prince of Wales, so dare we venture thee, albeit considerations infinite do make against it. No, good Worcester, no, we love our people well, even those we love that are misled upon your cousin's part. And will they take the offer of our grace? Both he, and they, and you, every man shall be my friend again, and I'll be his. So tell your cousin, and bring me word what he will do. But if he will not yield, rebuke and dread correction wait on us, and they shall do their office. So be gone. We will not now be troubled with reply. We offer fair. Take it advisedly. Exeunt Worcester and Vernon it will not be accepted on my life. The Douglas and the Hotspur, both together, are confident against the world in arms. Hence, therefore, every leader to his charge, for on their answer will we set on them, and God befriend us as our cause is just. Exeunt all but Prince Henry and Falstaff. Hal. If thou see me down in the battle, and bestride me so, tis uh, a point of friendship. Nothing but a colossus can do thee that friendship. Say thy prayers, and farewell. I would twere bedtime, Hal, and all well. Why, thou owest God a death. Exit Prince Henry. Tis not due yet. I would be loath to pay him before his day. What need I be so forward with him that calls not on me? Well, tis no matter. Honour pricks on me. Yea, but how if honour prick me off when I come on? How then? Can honour set to a leg? 
No. Or an arm? No. Or take away the grief of a wound? No. Honor hath no skill in surgery, then? No. What is honor? A word. What is in that word, honor? What is that honor? Air. A trim reckoning. Who hath it? He that died a Wednesday. Doth he feel it? No. Doth he hear it? No. Tis insensible, then. Yea, to the dead. But will it not live with the living? No. Why? Detraction will not suffer it. Therefore I'll none of it. Honor is a mere scutcheon. And so ends my catechism. Exit. Scene two. The rebel camp. Enter Worcester and Vernon. Oh, no, my nephew must not know, Sir Richard, the liberal and kind offer of the king. Twere best he did. Then are we all undone. It is not possible, it cannot be, the king should keep his word in loving us. He will suspect us still and find a time to punish this offence in other faults. Supposition all our lives shall be stuck full of eyes, for treason is but trusted like the fox, who, never so tame, so cherished and locked up, will have a wild trick of his ancestors. Look how we can, or sadly or merrily, interpretation will misquote our looks, and we shall feed like oxen at a stall, the better cherished still the nearer death. My nephew's trespass may be well forgot. It hath the excuse of youth and heat of blood, and an adopted name of privilege, a hair-brained hotspur governed by a spleen. All his offences live upon my head and on his father's. We did train him on, and his corruption being ta'en from us, we as the spring of all shall pay for all. Therefore, good cousin, let not Harry know, in any case, the offer of the king. Deliver what you will. I'll say tis so. Here comes your cousin. Enter Hotspur and Douglas. My uncle is returned. Deliver up, my lord of Westmoreland. Uncle, what news? The king will bid you battle presently. Defy him by the lord of Westmoreland. Lord Douglas, go you and tell him so. Marry and shall, and very willingly. Exit. There is no seeming mercy in the king. Did you beg any? God forbid. I told him gently of our grievances, of his oath-breaking, which he mended thus, by now forswearing that he is forsworn. He calls us rebels, traitors, and will scourge with haughty arms this hateful name in us. Re-enter the Earl of Douglas. Arm, gentlemen, to arms, for I have thrown a brave defiance in King Henry's teeth, and Westmoreland that was engaged did bear it, that cannot choose but bring him quickly on. The Prince of Wales stepped forth before the King, and, nephew, challenged you to single fight. Oh, would the quarrel lay upon our heads, and that no man might draw short breath to-day but I and Harry Monmouth. Tell me, tell me, how showed his tasking, seemed it in contempt? No, by my soul, I never in my life did hear a challenge urged more modestly. Unless a brother should a brother dare, 
to gentle exercise and proof of arms he gave you all the duties of a man trimmed up your praises with a princely tongue spoke to your deservings like a chronicle making you ever better than his praise by still dispraising praise valued in you and which became you like a prince indeed he made a blushing sight of himself and child his truant youth with such grace as if he mastered there a double spirit of teaching and learning instantly there did he pause but let me tell the world if he outlive the envy of this day england did never owe so sweet a hope so much misconstrued in his wantonness cousin i think thou art enamoured on his follies never did i hear of any prince so wild a libertine but be he as he will yet once ere night i will embrace him with a soldier's arm that he shall shrink under my courtesy arm arm with speed and fellows soldiers friends better consider what you have to do than i that have not well the gift of tongue can lift your blood up with persuasion enter a messenger my lord here are letters for you i cannot read them now o gentlemen the time of life is short to spend that shortness basely were too long if life did ride upon a dial's point still ending at the arrival of an hour and if we live we live to tread on kings if die brave death when princes die with us now for our consciences the arms are fair when the intent of bearing them is just enter another messenger my lord prepare the king comes on apace i thank him that he cuts me from my tale for I profess not talking, only this, let each man do his best, and here draw I a sword, whose temper I intend to stain with the best blood that I can meet withal, in the adventure of this perilous day. Now, Esperance, Percy, and set on, sound all the lofty instruments of war, and by that music let us all embrace, for heaven to earth some of us shall never a second time do such a courtesy. The Trumpets Sound they embrace and exeunt. Scene three, plain between the camps. King Henry enters with his power. Alarum to the battle. Then enter Douglas and Sir Walter Blunt. What is thy name that in the battle thus thou crossest me? What honour dost thou seek upon my head? Know then, my name is Douglas, and I do haunt thee in the battle thus, because some tell me that thou art a king. They tell thee true. The Lord of Stafford dear to-day hath bought thy likeness, for instead of thee, King Harry, this sword hath ended him. So shall it thee, unless thou yield thee as my prisoner. I was not born a yielder, thou proud Scot, and thou shalt find a king that will revenge Lord Stafford's death. They fight. Douglas kills Sir Walter Blunt. Enter Hotspur. O Douglas, hadst thou fought at Holmden thus, never had triumphed upon a Scot. All's done, all's won. Here breathless lies the king. Where? Here. This, Douglas? No. I know this face full well. A gallant knight he was. His name was Blunt. Semblably furnished like the king himself. A fool go with thy soul, whither it goes. A borrowed title hath thou bought too dear. Why didst thou tell me thou wert a king? The king hath many marching in his coats. Now by my sword I will kill all his coats. I'll murder all his wardrobe, piece by piece, until I meet the king. Up and away. Our soldiers stand full fairly for the day. 
Exunt. Alarum. Enter Falstaff, Solus. Though I could scape shot free at London, I fear the shot here. Here's no scoring but upon the pate. Soft, who are you? Sir Walter Blunt, there's honour for you. Here's no vanity. I am as hot as molten lead, and as heavy, too. Oh, God, keep lead out of me. I need no more weight than mine own bowels. I have led my ragamuffins where they are peppered. There's not three of my hundred and fifty left alive, and they are for the town's end to beg during life. But who comes here? Enter Prince Henry. What? Standest thou idle here? Lend me thy sword. Many a nobleman lies stark and stiff under the hoofs of vaunting enemies, whose deaths are yet unrevenged. I prithee, lend me thy sword. Oh, Hal, I prithee, give me leave to breathe a while. Turk Gregory never did such deeds in arms as I have done this day. I have paid Percy. I have made him sure. He is indeed, and living to kill thee. I prithee, lend me thy sword. Nay, before God, Hal, if Percy be alive, thou gettest not my sword. But take my pistol, if thou wilt. Give it me. What, is it in the case? Eh, Hal, tis hot, tis hot. There's that will sack a city. Prince Henry draws it out and finds it to be a bottle of sack. What? Is it a time to jest and dally now? He throws the bottle at him. Exit. Well, if Percy be alive, I'll pierce him. If he do come in my way, so. If he do not, if I come in his willingly, let him make a carbonado of me. I like not such grinning honour as Sir Walter hath. Give me life, which I can save so, if not, honour comes unlooked for, and there's an end. Exit Falstaff. Scene four. Another part of the field. Alarum. Excursions. Enter Prince Henry, Lord John of Lancaster, and Earl of Westmoreland. I prithee, Harry, withdraw thyself. Thou bleedest too much. Lord John of Lancaster, go you with him. Not I, my lord, unless I did bleed too. I do beseech your majesty, make up, uh, lest your retirement do amaze your friends. I will do so. My lord of Westmoreland, lead him to his tent. Come, my lord, I'll lead you to your tent. Lead me, my lord? I do not need your help, and God forbid a shallow scratch should drive the Prince of Wales from such a field as this where stained nobility lies trodden on, and rebels' arms triumph in massacres. We breathe too long. Come, cousin Westmoreland, our duty this way lies. For God's sake, come. Exunt Lancaster and Westmoreland. By God, thou hast deceived me, Lancaster. I did not think thee lord of such a spirit. Before I loved thee as a brother, John. But now... I do respect thee as my soul. I saw him hold Lord Percy to the point with lustier maintenance than I did look for of such an ungrown warrior. Oh, this boy lends metal to us all. Exit. 
Enter Douglas. Another king. They grow like Hydra's heads. I am the Douglas, fatal to all those who wear those colors on them. What art thou that counterfeitest the person of a king? The king himself, who, Douglas, grieves at heart so many of his shadows thou hast met, and not the very king. I have two boys seek Percy and thyself about the field. But, seeing that thou fallest on me so luckily, I will assay thee. So, defend thyself. I fear thou art another counterfeit, and yet in faith thou bearest thee like a king. But mine I am sure thou art, whoever thou be, and thus I win thee. They fight. King Henry being in danger, Prince Henry enters. Hold up thy head, vile Scot, or thou art like never to hold it up again. The spirits of valiant Shirley, Stafford, Blunt are in my arms. It is the Prince of Wales that threatens thee, who never promiseth but he means to pay. They fight. Douglas flies. Cheerily, my lord. How fares your grace? Sir Nicholas Gazi hath for succor sent, and so hath Clifton. I'll go to Clifton straight. Stay, and breathe a while. Thou hast redeemed thy lost opinion, and showed thou makest some tender of my life in this fair rescue thou hast brought to me. Oh, God! They did me too much injury, that ever said I hearkened for your death. If it were so, I might have let alone the insulting hand of Douglas over you, which would have been as speedy in your end as all the poisonous potions in the world and save the treacherous labor of your son. Make up to Clifton. I'll to Sir Nicholas Gauzy. Exit. Enter Hotspur. If I mistake not, thou art Harry Monmouth. Thou speakest as if I would deny my name. My name is Harry Percy. Why, then I see a very valiant rebel of the name. I am the Prince of Wales, and think not, Percy to share with me in glory any more. Two stars keep not their motion in one sphere, nor can one England brook a double reign of Harry Percy and the Prince of Wales. Nor shall it, Harry, for the hour is come to end the one of us, and would to God thy name and arms were now as great as mine. I'll make it greater ere I part from thee, and all the budding honors on thy crest I'll crop to make a garland for my head. I can no longer brook thy vanities. They fight. Enter Falstaff. Well said, Hal. To it, Hal. Nay, you shall find no boys play here, I can tell you. Re-enter Douglas. He fights with Falstaff, who falls down as if he were dead, and exit Douglas. Hotspur is wounded and falls. O oh, Harry, thou hast robbed me of my youth. I better brook the loss of brittle life than those proud titles thou hast won of me. They wound my thoughts worse than sword my flesh. But thoughts the slave of life, and lifetime's fool, and time that takes survey of all the world must have a stop. Oh, I could prophesy, but that the earthy and cold hand of death lies on my tongue. No, Percy, thou art dust, and food for... Dies. 
for worms, brave Percy. Fare thee well, great heart, ill-weaved ambition. How much art thou shrunk, when that this body did contain a spirit, a kingdom for it, was too small a bound. But now, two paces of the vilest earth is room enough. This earth that bears thee dead, there's not alive so stout a gentleman. If thou wert sensible out of courtesy, I should not make so dear a show of zeal. But let my favors hide thy mangled face, and even in thy behalf I'll thank myself for doing these fair rites of tenderness. Adieu, and take thy praise with thee to heaven. Thy ignominy sleep with thee in thy grave, but not remember it in thy epitaph. He spieth Falstaff on the ground. What? Old acquaintance? Could not all this flesh keep in a little life? Poor Jack, farewell. I could have better spared a better man. Oh, I should have a heavy miss of thee if I were much in love with vanity. Death hath not struck so fat a deer today, though many dearer <laughs> in this bloody fray. Embowled will I see thee by and by, till then in blood thy noble Percy lie. Exit Prince Henry. Embowled? If thou embowel me to-day, I'll give you leave to powder me and eat me too to-morrow. Splud, twas time to counterfeit, or that hot term against Scott had paid me Scott and Lot too. Counterfeit? I lie. I am no counterfeit. To die is to be a counterfeit, for he is but the counterfeit of a man who hath not the life of a man. But to counterfeit dying, when a man thereby liveth, is to be no counterfeit, but the true and perfect image of life indeed. The better part of valour is discretion, in the which better part I have saved my life. Zounds, I am afraid of this gunpowder Percy, though he be dead." Now, if he should counterfeit too and rise, by my faith, I am afraid he would prove the better counterfeit. Therefore, I'll make him sure, yea, and I'll swear I killed him. Why may not he rise as well as I? Nothing confutes me but eyes, and nobody sees me. Therefore, sirrah, stabbing him with a new wound in your thigh. Come you along with me. Takes up Hotspur on his back. Re-enter Prince Henry and Lord John of Lancaster. Come, Brother John, full bravely hast thou fleshed thy maiden sword. But, Soft, whom have we here? Did you not tell me that this fat man was dead? I did. I saw him dead, breathless and bleeding on the ground. Art thou alive? Or is it fantasy that plays upon our eyesight? I pray thee speak. We will not trust our eyes without our ears. Thou art not what thou seemst. No, that's certain. I am not a double man. But if I be not Jack Falstaff, then am I a Jack. There is Percy. Throwing the body down. If your father will do me any honor, so. If not, 
let him kill the next Percy himself. I look to be either Earl or Duke, I can assure you. Why, Percy, I killed myself and saw thee dead. Didst thou? Lord, Lord, how this world is given to lying. I, I grant you I was down and out of breath, and so was he, but we rose both at an instant, and and fought a long hour by Shrewsbury clock. If I may be believed, so, if not, let them that should reward valour bear the sin upon their own heads. I'll take it upon my death. I gave him this wound in the thigh. If the man were alive and would deny it, sounds I would make him eat a piece of my sword. This is the strangest tale that ever I heard. <laughs> this is the strangest fellow, Brother John. Come, bring your luggage nobly on your back. For my part, if a lie may do thee grace, I'll gild it with the happiest terms I have. A retreat is sounded. The trumpet sounds retreat. The day is ours. Come, brother, let's to the highest of the field, and see what friends are living, and who are dead. Exeunt Prince Henry and Lancaster. I'll follow, as they say, for reward. He that rewards me, God reward him. If I do grow great, I'll grow less, for I'll purge, and leave sack, and live cleanly as a nobleman should do. Exit. Scene five. Another part of the field. The trumpets sound. Enter King Henry the Fourth, Prince Henry, Lord John Lancaster, Earl of Westmoreland, with Worcester and Vernon prisoners. Thus ever did rebellion find rebuke. Ill-spirited Worcester, did not we send grace, pardon, and terms of love to all of you? And wouldst thou turn our offers contrary? Misuse the tenor of thy kinsman's trust? Three knights upon our party slain to-day, a noble earl and many a creature else had been alive this hour, if, like a Christian, thou hadst truly borne betwixt our armies true intelligence. What I have done, my safety urged me to, and I embrace this fortune patiently, since not to be avoided, it falls on me. Bear Worcester to the death, and Vernon too. Other offenders we will pause upon. Exeunt Worcester and Vernon, guarded. How goes the field? The noble Scot, Lord Douglas, when he saw the fortune of the day quite turned from him, the noble Percy slain and all his men upon the foot of fear, fled with the rest. And falling from a hill, he was so bruised that the pursuers took him. At my tent, the Douglas is. And I beseech your grace I may dispose of him. With all my heart. Then, brother John of Lancaster, to you this honorable bounty shall belong. Go to the Douglas, and deliver him up to his pleasure, ransomless and free. His valor, shown upon our crests today, hath taught us how to cherish such high deeds, even in the bosom of our adversaries. I thank your grace for this high courtesy, which I shall give away immediately. Then this remains, that we divide our power. You, son John, and my cousin Westmoreland, towards York shall bend you with your dearest speed, to meet Northumberland and the prelate Scroop, 
who as we hear are busily in arms. Myself and you, son Harry, will towards Wales, to fight with Glendower and the Earl of March. Rebellion in this land shall lose his sway, meeting the check of such another day. And since this business so fair is done, let us not leave till all our own be won. Exeunt. End of Act Five. End of Henry the Fourth, Part One, by William Shakespeare.